Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. We felt we were pretty well diversified. You know, he had his business, I had mine, you know, 401ks, all of that stuff. Figured, ah, we're good. And then COVID hit and it all went, right? Stock market dropped, you know, his, he has a martial arts school. Uh Got hit hard. Um, You know, as you know, medicine, you know, we got shut down. Um, So it was like, okay, well, you know, what, how do we pivot? What do we do from here? And you interviewed a very close friend of mine not long ago, Ashley Mm -hmm. Hayden. And she'd been, we've been best friends for a long time and we go for long runs together. And so what we were really looking for is like, is there something else that we can diversify ourselves into that is going to provide us with passive income for mm-hmm. the future? And and then Ashley really kind of gave me the, gave us the push to, to jump in. So that's, that's sort of how we started. guys, welcome to episode 47 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon and Washington realtor, and I invest in multifamily and short-term rentals. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, mortgage lender here based in Portland, Oregon, NMLS 1440237, and I'm licensed in nine states, and I invest in single-family residents. And Jordan, who did, who did we have the pleasure of interviewing today? Oh yeah, we had a super interesting interview. It was actually a referral of one of our previous uh, guests, and her name is Kim Workman, so she's She's an uh, orthopedic surgeon and has her full-time career, but she also invests in real estate. Yeah, I mean, she's gotten got her start pretty late. I mean, she only started buying real estate in, what, 2019, 2020? 20, 20, yeah, recently, yeah. last yeah. few years. And she's really built up a portfolio super quickly. She's kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything, uh, small multifamily, large multifamily, short-term rentals, you know, Hawaii rentals. So, you know, she's built up a lot of experience. Yeah. Talked a little bit about self-directed in the IRA, talked a little bit about recourse versus non-recourse loans. So, uh, if you're interested in investing in multifamily and, and using, you know, investment in real estate as like a long-term passive income strategy to retire as your side gig, uh, this is a great episode for you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 47 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, here, and we're super excited to have uh, a guest with us today, a special guest with today, us today, Kim Workman. Uh, Kim, you I'm mind here. just giving us a quick like introduction of you know how you made your way to Portland um, and your background and kind of why you got interested in real estate? Uh, well, I made my way to Portland in 2005 after finishing up my medical training. I'm an orthopedic surgeon by day, and um, I actually kind of fell into real estate a few years ago. Um, my husband, so kind of a twofold thing. My uh, husband has been a business owner in Portland for oh. like 30 years. Oh, okay. Wow. So that's how you guys found uh, Portland? Well, I found him here in Portland. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then ended up staying in Portland rather than uh, going back to San Francisco, which was mm-hmm. originally the plan. 
He, did um, you say you did medical training here? or San Francisco. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. but you came here for a, a I job. came here, well, I did come here for fellowship, so that's how I landed mm-hmm. in Portland for a year. The plan was to come here for a year, mm-hmm. go back to San Francisco. Right, have right. A, I had a job lined up there. Um, uh, I met my husband up here, though, and okay. so I ended up staying, and glad I did. <clears throat> so I have lived here since 2005. Okay. And uh, he has been an entrepreneur his whole career, and he did. He started the whole house hacking thing in college, oh. um, and had a couple, you know, bought a couple properties and rented out the rooms, and, mm. and then built his own. He bought his own building down in Southeast Portland, inner, oh, okay. um, uh, inner East Side, about 16 years ago, and had plans of. He kind of talked to me over the years of like, hey, you know, once I get my building paid off, you know, we really should, you know start you know maybe buying some properties here and, and I was like why would we want to do that it's so expensive <laughs> <laughs> and um and so that you know we didn't really talk about much more we had kids and, you know life is busy and um we felt we were pretty well diversified you know he had his business I had mine you know 401ks all of that mm-hmm. stuff figured out ah, we're good and then COVID hit and it all went right stock market yeah. Yeah. Dropped, you know, his he has a martial arts school, uh-huh. got hit hard. Yeah. Um, you know, as you know, medicine, yeah. you know, we got shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, okay, well, you know, what? Do, how do we pivot? What do we do from here? And you interviewed a very close friend of mine not long ago, Ashley mm-hmm. Hayden. Yep. And she'd been, we've been best friends for a long time, and we go for long runs together, and I'd been asking her questions over the years about real estate uh. and starting to kind of see the, the <clears throat> upsides of it and how you can create and build wealth with it. And so what we were really looking for is like, is there something else that we can diversify ourselves into that is going to provide us with passive income for mm-hmm. the future? And and then Ashley really kind of gave me the gave us the push to, to jump in. So that's that's sort of how we started. Okay. It's funny that you you saying that uh, real estate's really expensive coming from San Francisco. <laughs> right. Well, like, why would you want to spend that much money though on something that is not your own house? I was like, I just, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know all the benefits right, right, of right. investing at that time. I mean, so your husband was basically doing his property management and everything, and like, did you guys not talk about it too early? Well, or? he has his own, like, he. It's his business is in his own building. Okay. So he, um, oh, so he after, owns like a multi-use building. He owns a commercial building, has his own parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know where Grand Central Bowl is? Yep. Yes. He's like just a few blocks up from that, Northwest okay. Fighting Arts okay. on Morrison and 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he doesn't have any other, it's just his, build, his business in right. there. So he doesn't have to property manage. And by, when I met him, he had already gotten tired of house hacking and had moved into just his own home by himself. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But, but he, he huh? took a lot of those, he took a lot of real estate courses back in the day, mm-hmm. investing courses, and had kind of always planned on getting more into it. But then, you know, life happened. Sure, sure. So he was focused on his martial arts business mm-hmm. as his main thing. And then mm-hmm. he, I mean, that that property, did it not have units that were rented out specifically Mm-mm. to tenants? Okay. Mm-mm. So he was like the sole occupant of yeah. the building. Got it. Okay. I mean, that's some valuable real estate down it there. It still is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, he, our seed money was a line of credit actually on the building. On the building, right. Mm-hmm. And so then what, when you went, you're like, okay, we're going to pivot to real estate. I've heard it's good. What was your, what did that process look like in terms of we want to buy this type of building or it needs to be this 
this these numbers or did you just find a deal like how did, how did that work well Ashley showed us a deal over in Oregon City actually a 20 unit okay. first and I think that was just a little bit overwhelming especially too when I when we looked at the numbers like well that's really not gonna make very much um, she's very heavily invested in Texas so steered us that way but we were also really looking local because mm. uh, we really wanted to be able to have eyes on it right. we don't have a lot of time to travel yep. yeah. and so I've always just I've always been a Zillow and Redfin stalker and we um, we wanted something that was going to cash flow that we could add some value to and then kind of gradually grow uh, okay we wanted to start with more multi-units um, just for economies of scale so we ended up finding a couple of fourplexes that are right next to each other but on separate tax lots in Kaiser oh okay that had been on the market for a while um, and my husband is very good at <laughs> negotiating and is also very good at he does has done a lot of his own rehabs oh wow. so, so he's he good at going in and looking at the condition of the building and kind of having an eye for what it's going to need mm. and then um and then if we need to negotiate further and so we ended up getting those under contract for a pretty decent price um, yeah so two fourplexes it was the same owner that yes. was selling it was like a package mm -hmm. basically but different yeah. tax lots yeah mm -hmm. uh and then for that did you use standard like conventional financing residential financing or did we you did a commercial loan? yeah they had advertised as eight units but we then we found out that they were on two tax lots oh, perfect. So you as were we were in contract so then we ended up splitting them mm -hmm. <coughs> found a 10 percent down loan option at the time this oh, was really for 20, investors yeah for investment for investors. Property, this was 2021 what bank was that it was um with uh, mountain america credit union huh. yeah okay. but it was still like a 30-year fix 30-year fixed 15-year term Oh, okay. So after 30 year amortization, mm -hmm. 15 year term. Okay. So after 15 years, you had to refinance yeah. or pay off. Right. At 3.5%. I know, right? Bye. Yeah. So those were the days. Um, and uh, and so, and then we put more money in. We needed, there's a fair amount of deferred maintenance. Mm -hmm. So those have been um, projects. And as tenants have moved, there's tenants in there since the 90s. and as they moved out, renovated units and increased rents. And um, it's been pretty satisfying turning those properties around. The tenants that have been there for a long time, a few of them have, you know, said, yeah, hate the thank you so much for mm. fixing things, fixing fixing things, things around yeah. here. Yeah. And uh, there's a ton of that in the Salem mm -hmm. Kaiser area. There's a lot. So it's fun, you know, and I, you know, go down there every once in a while and I know the names of all our tenants. And if oh. I see them, like, hey, how's it going? And um, so. That those properties are actually our best performing properties. Mm. Um, what did you pay for them? Nine seventy five together. Together. Oh, wow. Okay. And are they? How many bedrooms are they? Um, each fourplex has two, three bedroom, two bath, twelve hundred square feet. Oh, nice. And then two two bedroom, two bath, a thousand square feet. They're kind of, they're sort of a townhome style. Okay. Um, and yeah. now, and what are the rents approximately <coughs> now? Uh. Going in, like some of most of the three bedrooms were at like nine hundred. Oh, now we started at nine hundred. Mm -hmm. They that's what they were at. Now wow. they're at seventeen fifty. Nice. That's a good pickup. So, so that's with like when lucky, people uh, leaving and turning you turning it over or people leaving us turning over. Uh, all of the all of the three bedrooms have. 
turned over. Okay, yeah, you said you had people there since the 90s. Were those the people that had the $900 rent? A couple of them were, yes. <laughs> and we, we still have some of the two bedrooms that are have been people been there since for a long time. Sure, yeah. But they're great, they're great tenants. Yeah. Um, Can you talk about some of the uh, deferred maintenance you guys had to deal with? Uh, a lot of kind of dry rot siding, mm. um, uh, replacing, painting, the carports needed new roofs. Um, we had last year we had to completely redo um, uh, drainage pipe out to the street. Oh, the um, sewer line? Not the sewer, but just the drainage from the gutters because <coughs> yeah. yeah. it was pulling up um, right next to a tenant's door mm. and it just wasn't draining. So when they scoped it, found that roots had gone through and mm. um, so that was a little pricey. Yeah. Uh, there's still some stuff that like there's been a leak that's into one of the laundry rooms so we need to kind of fix that and so there's still ongoing definitely ongoing stuff i mean what year is this property 1979 i think okay yeah yeah no yeah. it's definitely the year where you'd need a lot of maintenance <laughs> yeah. i have uh, two properties in the 60s so yeah and, yeah you know, and i don't know i think that's probably past the period when they were doing galvanized plumbing the, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Cross our fingers. <laughs> so yeah, how much? It sounds like you're pretty active with with repairs and and kind of going and visiting. Do you not like contract out much of the work then? Uh, we sell, so we self manage with Hemlane. Okay. You've heard of Hemlane before, mm -hmm. and they actually do have a full um, maintenance package, maintenance coordination package, if you want. Okay. And so they will take our calls, <clears throat> so we don't have to take midnight calls if they ever come through. Um, but we keep a close eye on when they are going to be calling out vendors. And if it's going to be kind of any handyman stuff, Jeff calls our own handyman right. to okay. take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Hemley? Hemlane? Hemlane. Some, some sort of like online okay. service. Yeah, I mean, you've probably heard of like Rent Ready and yes. some of these other things. Mm -hmm. It's it's like that. Um, all the tenants pay their rent via the portal, right. and they can put in their maintenance requests through there. And Do you also... At, like, do they also help with lease up? Like, you advertise through them. You or? can. They do have a. They do have kind of lease up help, and they can find you a leasing agent. That's been more difficult though in Kaiser. Okay. What do you? What do you? Yeah. What do? You, how are you? Are you keeping it full? Like, has it been hard to keep find tenants or? Mm -mm. Mm. Mm -mm. And do where do you advertise through? So when you advertise on Hamline, they syndicate it out. Oh, so they yeah. do do that. For yeah. You. So okay. you can put your one listing on Hamline. Okay. They syndicate it out. Zillow, mm -hmm. lovely. I don't know a bunch of different right. ones. Um, we do end up getting, uh, the last couple weekends we've been going down to do some showings because we have a vacancy coming up. Um, but I managed to find um, a local, uh, she's just starting up her property management company and she's now doing the leasing for us oh, nice. for that. So, cause Perfect. we just, we don't want to be taking all our weekends. I mean, that's a, quite yeah. a drive. It is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he lives down there, so. <laughs> yeah. no, it's not that bad of a drive. <laughs> So, I mean, how old was it, like, kind of taking on this project and getting into, like, managing property and dealing with all this maintenance? How did you feel about it? I it, I love it. So okay. I love the deal hunt. I love trying to figure out how to add value to the property. How do you how do you pull the levers yeah. to increase your revenue, decrease <clears throat> your expenses, yeah. increase your, net, your NOI? Um, and uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose. Mm. Um, every time I'm in the car, it's podcasts or you know, books, mm -hmm. um, and so a ton of learning, um, you know, asking other people for advice. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it is a lot of work. And so when you have a full-time job as well, um, I get up at like four, four thirty in the morning yeah. and until five thirty six is when I do real estate stuff. Mm. 
then I work out, and then I go to work. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned kids too. And kids, yeah. And kids. <laughs> but yeah, we, are you yeah. still like f- full time yeah. orthopedic surgeon? So what yeah. is the what does that schedule look like? Uh, it varies day to day. Most of the time, I try to have Tuesdays as my admin days. Okay. So like today. Um, uh, but the last two weeks after getting back from a two-week vacation were like 65-hour weeks. Mm. Was and flood. are you at a clinic where you have to like take regular call too, or is it? Uh, yeah, we our call burden's not that bad though. Okay. Okay. So I'm in private practice, so we're on the west side, and okay. um, summer can be pretty busy because a lot of people are injuring themselves and. Yeah. broken bones and stuff like that. A lot of people my age that are playing basketball that are breaking their ankles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or tearing their Achilles. Yeah, and all that. That's what I worry about the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a lot, and I think that's been one of the things that we're, we grew really fast because we have a couple of um, kind of mid-sized apartment complexes in Texas as well, and we got all that in 2021, and then we did a short-term rental last year, mm. and this year is just a, we need to stabilize I need to figure out how to, so I'm only working maybe four hours on this a week. Mm-hmm. So we have a virtual assistant and guiding all our systems and processes in place uh, because of, you know, I've, I don't see my kids enough. And yeah. so that's been a downside for sure. Right, because the whole point of investing is to be able to have that passive income so you can spend more time with the kids, right? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the the level up. So you, you got these two fourplexes, you're like, oh, this is fun. Like, <laughs> what's next? How, how, did you, how did you move on to the next one? Well, a lot of it was very concurrent. So, and it started in the fall of 2020 is when we really started learning and digging into it. And... Ashley sent me this deal that came through her email that was in Beaumont, Texas. Mm. And it was um, by a broker that her dad used to work with. Mm. And um, prices were pretty low there at the time. Mm. And so I called him up. Short story is that deal didn't end up working out, but he had gave me the number of the seller. And I called the seller directly. He's like, well, we already have somebody getting this place, but I might have a 22 unit coming up in mm. February. So reach back out, so reach back out. And I flew to Beaumont in February of 2021. I was the one that went because I was able to get my vaccine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Being a healthcare professional. Yeah, I got yeah, it yeah. before Jeff did. Right. <laughs> and uh, so flew out to Beaumont, Texas. I'd never been out there. The seller was great. Toured me all around the city. Um, and he let like his property management manager toured the property with me and he's like just ask him whatever you want and um that one didn't work out it was just a little bit too much value add it was just too heavy of a lift like we did not feel comfortable um with that one but uh made really good connections Mm. and a month later or so two months later the property manager the owner of the company called me and he said one of my owners, he takes really good care of his properties, wants to sell one of his places, 16 units. Wow. So I was like, I'm interested. So he called you out of the blue. You hadn't been like constantly calling him back. You just met him that one time going yeah. out there. Yeah, wow. yeah. And uh, I, you know, he was, I was just sort of connected, like he has daughters, you know, that are younger than me, but um, uh, that, you know, were really progressing in their careers and, uh, I don't know, somehow we just hit it off and um, maybe I asked some good questions, I don't know. But yeah, he called and then I spoke with the, I called the owner and we spoke for a while and you know went through some negotiations and did a completely off market 
deal nice. and picked up a 16 unit and then a few months later we were, we were going to be done that we closed on that in july of 2021 we were going to be done for the year um but then a duplex popped up in <laughs> nearby yeah in beaverton i was oh, like great. it was like i drive by it all the time this is a great location it won't cash flow but we we have to have it <laughs> and then um and then a broker called jeff saying hey i just saw that you guys bought this place in beaumont i have this place that's about 10 blocks away 20 units are you guys interested <laughs> okay <laughs> so jeff went out and saw that and um we ended up picking up that and so now we have these two places in beaumont and um those have actually been more work to get turned around yeah harder and to lease up yeah more just it's been harder to retrain so those tenants for a while like they were their c properties yeah. mm -hmm. those tenants were used to not paying a fair bit during covid mm -hmm. or paying late right, right. um do you mind talking sorry yeah. to interrupt but do you mind talking a little bit about what you when you say c properties just for our audience like what you mean by that so a properties are your you know your brand new builds mm -hmm. um high-end neighborhoods most expensive b is maybe your I know your 80s, 90s. Um, working class. Working class. C is your 60s, 70s, um, working class. You know, like yeah, blue collar, working class. more yeah. working class. D is you don't really want to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually say the second property we picked up on was a, probably a, a D plus. And I, I could talk for a long time on all the learnings that, you know, the things that we learned that we should have done that we didn't do. Mm -hmm. um, They'll be good properties. We've been putting more into them than mm -hmm. we anticipated. Um, they were just starting to cash flow because we'd done a lot of value add and increased rent. Um, just starting to cash flow this summer, and then our <clears throat> insurance rates went up by fifty six percent. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And so, what is that on a six? You said sixteen unit. We have a sixteen and a twenty unit. Okay, there. so what does that look like on those units then? So last year, our property wind hail tax on both those properties were was um, thirty six thousand. Um, our initial quote for re re renewal this year was seventy six thousand. Oh my! We've just for it. your insurance? Just the property. Oh, that's wind, pro property wind and tax, not including. Oh, that's not including, including property taxes. Yeah. Okay. Not yes. property tax. No, property <clears throat> tax was separate. Oh, 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 and I mean that's, that's pretty high in Texas. Yeah. That's just yeah. your insurance. Is there a yeah. reason why it went up? So it's coast, it's Gulf Coast, but all of Texas has just yeah. skyrocketed. Yep. I mean, yeah. by like, you know, three, four times. Um, so places there, you're you're getting per door, you're upwards <coughs> of where you used to be around six to 800 a door for insurance is now 16, anywhere from like 16 to 2300. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's really that between that and property taxes and then with rising interest rates, that's why you're seeing a lot of trouble right now yeah. in in texas yeah um we're we'll we just need to write it out there a bill was passed in the texas legislature where the property taxes are going to be lowered and my insurance broker said that if we don't have any like major weather issues in texas for a season that the insurance rates will come down a little bit <laughs> but they're just not cash flowing like we had, had anticipated yeah. so yeah. There's been a lot of learnings there, and there's just there. That's a thing with invest anything investing. It's like unknowns are going to come up like this. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, can you tell me anything about Beaumont, Texas? Is there anything specific that uh, drove you there, that or any points of interest in that city? 
Uh, well, it actually has one of the oldest and largest um, historic districts oh, in along the in the in a, kind of in the south. It's got these beautiful old um, homes, beautiful oak, um, big huge old oaks, mm. and called the Oaks District. Uh, there's a um, it's the it's by the I think it's the largest port on the <coughs> Gulf of Mexico, uh-huh. and a lot of oil mm. um, ref- stuff there. Right. Um, so pretty strong job market. It's a it's about 90 miles um, east, directly east of Houston. Okay. Uh, it's pretty close to the Louisiana border, mm-hmm. uh, but strong job market, um, pretty stable real estate market, but because it's more of a tertiary market, secondary tertiary market, prices have been t- um, historically a lot lower than Houston. Right. Now they got driven up over the last few years because Houston got so expensive right. that Houston investors started looking at Beaumont. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty local um, investing area though, like a lot of properties trade off market mm-hmm. to people you know, mm-hmm. that kind of know right. the people. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us how you financed that one, the bigger ones? So that one with commercial loans. Okay. So uh, with a local, um, the the seller of the original property we went out to look at that we didn't get, he introduced me to his banker, and mm-hmm. I met with him when I was out there on my first couple of trips. Um, local federal credit union, super easy, nice to work with. Did, yeah, did you guys have any trouble like getting a commercial loan? Or because so much easier than yeah. How was that? Was that finance because your husband already had business credit or a commercial record, or how how did that part work? Or did they just care about the property cash it's flow? It's mostly and, just the property cash flow, yeah. right? So they did though want <coughs> a personal financial statement mm-hmm. because these are recourse loans. Yep. So commercial loans can be recourse or non-recourse, meaning yep. you know recourse um, you're on the hook personally liable if something happens. Right. Um, so we did have to give our personal financial statement, um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't pull a credit. Mm. So the, all that, those loans are not on our personal right, credit. Right, it won't show it up on, yeah. if you're getting a so it doesn't affect your mortgage, DTI. you're not gonna be, yeah, it's not gonna show yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, it's so much easier to get a commercial loan. <laughs> I, I do have a question about that with recourse versus non-recourse. Uh, would With a recourse loan, would you get a lower interest rate because they can come back, in, you know, for your personal assets, or do you know anything about that? You know, I don't. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, we got four and a half percent at that time. Oh man. So. But uh, it's it's the typical like five year balloon. One's a five, one's a seven. Okay. We did get thirty year amortization though on them. Oh nice. And most of them, most commercial loans are more like twenty to twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. So we got fortunate, and we got a twenty percent down, which most which you can't get now. Um, most commercial loans are you know, minimum 25, and these days it's more like 30 to 40. Well, yeah, I mean, because nothing cash flows. Right. <laughs> right. Not at these rates. Yeah. 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 So they were super easy to work with and got both loans with them. And Nice. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, did you have some hesitancy going out of state with your second and third deal? I know you mentioned that, obviously, you had to do one in Kaiser, which was at least drivable. You had you could yeah. have eyes on it, and then yeah. Ashley convinced you to, no, just go to Texas. Yeah, uh, it's very <laughs> landlord-friendly. Um, I think what made us more comfortable with it <coughs> is that we both really liked the owner of the property management company. Mm. And, and you didn't have to, like, yeah, switch that part. That part was going to stay the same. Yeah, yeah. So super solid people. They, you could tell that they really cared about the tenants. Um, 
as well. And they also owned their own properties. So they kind of know both the owner side of the thing as well as you know taking care of tenants. Uh, we work pretty well together because they really like to maintain the properties well. If anything's broken, we, like, we just, just fix it. Mm. Um, we don't want to be slumlords. Right. Uh, we want to we wanna improve the property, improve the neighborhood. Yep. And that's been pretty satisfying. Mm-hmm. The second unit, the second building we picked up there, one of the tenants didn't even have a stove. He'd been oh, using hot pots because the previous owners wouldn't buy him a new stove. <sighs> Crazy. And so as soon as our property manager let us know about it, I'm like, buy him a stove. And he was super thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say yeah. this. I've seen some pretty rough homes that I've shown uh, for some investor clients. One of them had their oven open and turned on because uh, they didn't have heat. heat. Really? So they just had the oven open and just like kids crawling around. It was oh. crazy. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, thank God you're not you're not into being a slumlord. So. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, and the 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 owner that we bought our first place from there, he's born and raised in Beaumont, and one of his <coughs> his big passion is taking these older properties that have not been well maintained mm-hmm. and really fixing them mm-hmm. up and making them nice places to stay and improving the community. Improving the community, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah. talk to us a little bit about it, real estate and the personal element. It's not, you know, when we're talking, it sounds to me like it's really important to you to have a good feeling about, you know, the people when you meet them. It seems like you've gotten details, or excuse me, deals from from people and not as much of like a, this spreadsheet analysis. It's almost like, uh, you know, that, that one-on-one that really, really helps that networking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, they're always just overanalyzing stuff. What are, you, what are your thoughts on just, you know, kind of getting the gut feeling from a person yeah it's that's it's a good question it's tough you have with there was definitely a deal analysis going on sure. um and y- we didn't and we still i i still struggle with like having a buy box right um mm-hmm. i i do think that you need to have kind of what are your goals like what is it that you're wanting this property to accomplish for you, for your vision, for your future? Where do you want to see it going? Um, and is it going to fit into that? And um, and then you got to choose properties that are going to, to fit. How, like, do you want, do you need something that's going to cash flow now? Or are you okay if it negative cash flows for a little bit because it's going to appreciate mm-hmm. maybe more cash flow later? Uh, I think I think it's really important to try not to get into a negative cash flowing property. Sure. Um, you want you, you, you want an asset, not a liability. Right. And so that was the most important thing. We're not trying to live off the passive cash flow now. We're building for our future. Mm. I'm not planning on retiring. Neither of us are planning on retiring early. Right. Uh, but just want that cash flow there later <coughs> so that when we get to that point, we, if we need to retire or want to retire, we're able to without having to worry about it. Um, from the standpoint of finding these deals, um, yet the the Texas deals it was definitely the the price point on the first property we got was maybe a little higher than we really wanted but I really the the owner just after talking to him multiple times also talking to the property manager he and and kind of what his goals were and what he was trying to accomplish mm. he just was just seemed a really like a really good person mm-hmm. and we've had dinner since we right. keep in touch we commiserate on the property right. taxes yep. and the insurance and so at the end of the day it's those relationships mm-hmm. uh, that I think are super important and 
can make a good deal bad if there's a bad relationship right. or it can make maybe a not so good deal end up being a good deal mm-hmm. and he's been super helpful to us with over the last <coughs> couple of years when we've had issues with like the buildings i called him like hey what have you done with this and right. he's hooked me up with other people mm-hmm. so building those relationships i think is it's super important save you a lot of time and a lot of trial and error yep. i feel mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. but it takes time you know, I in the first deal and those first few relationships are the hardest to get. Right. And then it just seems to snowball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned you picked up the duplex and then a short-term rental, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, obviously, short-term rental is a, a little bit of a shift, right? That was a lifestyle asset. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, we got married on Kauai um, 17 years ago and Beautiful. have always dreamed of having a place there, and it wasn't until... And we'd always kind of looked at the real estate there and then looked to see how much, you know, property management takes out. Right, right. And I'm like, well, it's never going to work. And it wasn't until we really got into investing uh-huh. and figured out, okay, there are these tools now. There's so much more tech now yeah. to do things on your own. And uh, I had I had transferred some 401k money in 2018 into a self-directed IRA. And, and actually, this is probably my our first my first um, real estate purchase, but purchased a condo in Hillsboro with it, with oh, all nice. cash in the IRA. In the IRA. Which is not a great use of an IRA funds because you're not leveraging, right? So this is, this is interesting. <laughs> Let's, would you mind talking a little bit about a self-directed IRA? Because we haven't gotten into that with mm-hmm. our audience very much. And also you mentioned non-recourse and recourse mm-hmm. loans earlier. So can you, ex- can you explain how you kind of set that up with your IRA and what the process was for that? Yes, yeah, so you have to have a custodian. Um, I use the interest group. Okay. And custodian meaning some meaning financial it's a, company. It's a financial AG. company that manages your self-directed IRA, and they hold your funds for you. Right. And they actually have to approve any type of transaction. So they could have vetoed that condo if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I mean, typically, like real estate is a isn't allowed. It's an approved source, right. Yeah. It's an approved. Um, but there's all these rules of. Um, prohibited transactions you know you as the owner it's you buy it um, within the trust but it's for benefit of like me so we had to buy they had to do uh, you know the paperwork and um, had to be the ones that signed it I didn't sign anything mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that disperse the funds okay um, so they want you to have like a layer of separation from it yeah. more or less so it's not yeah. like it's just this little like rental that you're managing. Right. They want you to have it exactly. completely. Yeah, and you can't you can't have like your kids were living in it right. or right. any you know direct relatives or um, you can't any of the cash flow out of it. You can't it has to go right back it's, into the everything IRA. stays into your everything account. stays yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then as and that appreciated a ton. Uh, but as I started learning more and more about the power of real estate investing, and really it's like a big part of it is leverage. Right, you can put 10% down on uh, a $950,000 asset or whatever you right. bought before, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. But it, you can't, it's really difficult to get a loan in an R. So banks aren't gonna loan, uh, make a loan to an IRA. It's because really difficult. you have to have it as a non-recourse, correct? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So you either have to put a lot more down or it's just a big hassle. Yeah, yeah, there's like there's companies that will do it, mm-hmm. but they're typically the interest rates are much higher than market and terms are a little bit different, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I think so. I pivoted, and I had also put 
some money from that into um, a syndic- uh, a fund, a real estate fund, okay. which I think is a better use. I think good uses for self-directed IRA in the real estate world are if you're going to be doing debt investing, yeah. right? So you can loan people your money out of there and get a fixed return or invest in, um, you know, a syndication. Um, although, you know, you're still you're not able to really harvest as much as that tax benefits. Right, because it's a big benefit of syndication sometimes of the tax harvesting, exactly. right? So it's yeah. when it's in the IRA, yeah. it doesn't you know, get that interesting. So I ended up actually taking the hit and we sold it for a pretty big gain in 2021, 2022, the spring, and just took the hit, but used that as a down payment for the condo in Kauai. Okay, and so oh, nice. but when you yeah. say take the hit, you sold it. Why did you take a hit? Because I pulled it out of the IRA. Oh, you oh you just yeah. removed it, so you took yeah. the penalty. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you weren't waiting to retirement to right. use the funds. But because we had had all these kind of passive, you know, losses from real estate, I, we didn't end up having to pay a whole lot of extra taxes onto on oh, it. Oh, you had enough. But we had, you to, had enough. But yeah. we had to pay the the ten percent penalty. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Which yeah. you made how much? I mean, you made a bunch of money on it, so like a ten percent penalty is like it's not the right. worst thing in the world, right. right? And now we have it into a condo that's you know making us a twelve percent cash on cash return. So there you it's go. been worth it, and we were willing to get it and get the condo, and be like we were going to be happy if we just were even Steven on it. Yeah, because oh, you got a loan on the one in Kauai, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking, like, you, I don't know how much the condo was in Hillsboro, but you buying it all cash, like, I, I can imagine that cash on cash return was, was terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because people always ask me, like, oh, should I put more down, all yeah. this stuff? And I tell people cash on cash return, and I don't yeah. think people really understand that concept. So if you want to yeah. explain it a little bit. So cash on cash return is, you know, if you put, um, put 10000 into something um, – I can't do math in my head. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it's like a base of ten, right, right. <laughs> it makes fun of me. But you know, if you if you make a thousand dollars a year back on that, yeah, then that would be ten percent. Exactly, cash. it'd be cash your ten percent cash on yeah. cash return. Yeah, and talking about cash on cash return, I mean, I know you went and fixed a uh, fixed a lot of the deferred maintenance on your property. When you were thinking about uh, these fixes, did you think about the cash on cash return in terms of what to fix and how much it would raise value in rent, or how did you decide going about that? Well. Going in, like there was stuff that we had to fix. Yeah. Um, uh, right. There's leaks. We yeah. Need to fix these there's leaks. stuff that we had to. Yeah. This person doesn't have a stove. And they need right. a stove. That de- definitely doesn't raise rent or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. Um, our our uh, our Kaiser properties are now actually sitting at around a 16% cash on cash, even with everything, because we only put wow. in 10% for down. With 10% down. down. But, but you haven't pulled out. In. You haven't pulled out money from them. No. Okay. We were, but then the interest rates. Right. I mean, up. you got it at three and a half percent, right, or yeah. something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I wouldn't touch that. No. We've explored it, and the you know lenders are like, yeah, yeah it's not worth it, um, and it's not even worth it to sell right now because we wouldn't get as much of our equity out, and then we'd be putting into something else that yeah. has a super high interest rate. So, um, so yeah, so we we sold, you know, the condo and um, picked up and then used that as the down payment. And we were fortunate and very lucky that we got our loan right before interest rates spiked. Okay. Um, last year, so I, we have like a three point eight seven five. Oh, nice! And so yeah. that that property in Hawaii you bought is like a second home, or, mm-hmm. and and now you you Airbnb it. Mm-hmm. W- what do you use to manage that? Uh, we use Owner Res. Okay. It's Money. a property management system okay. for um, like you've probably heard like of Guesty maybe. Mm-hmm. 
similar. So the, um, they manage the messaging. How about the cleaning? All that stuff. So it's it does do messaging, but I still message people. Usually, hospitable is another one that can actually coordinate um, messaging with VRBO and Airbnb. Doesn't do Booking.com, unfortunately, unless you use them as our primary property management system. But it kind of collates all of those. So um, and um, and then but then emails. Because um, I get their email addresses, so that way you can I can do message them directly through Owner Res. But Owner Res does it hooks into it's API connected with Airbnb, Booking.com, VRBO, and it manages it all the calendars. Okay. Um, I can make changes to our listing in there, and it populates it, it out. Does it everywhere? So yeah. they're all consistent. Yeah. Through one through one system, got it. Yeah, and then we have a revenue manager that uses Price Labs. I was doing that on my own with Price Labs for a little bit, but just I. I, I will spend way too much time on it. Yeah. And so try to optimize for every holiday and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so he takes he takes five percent <coughs> but saves me a ton of hours and probably makes us more. Yeah. Um, um and Because he's motivated to make yeah. more. And our cleaning team cleaned for the old owner and they're fantastic. Oh, perfect. So you had so, a cleaning system set up. So she yeah, and her brother is a handyman. Hmm. So perfect. there are boots on the ground. And then um Last summer, Jeff spent a lot of time over there managing the renovation. And mm. um, was there a lot of work on that one? There was a lot of work. It was a little stressful last summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it's a lifestyle asset, as in, yeah. like, you know, when you want to go out there and hang out, like, you can just take, yeah. put on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So sounds stressful. You know, God, I gotta go back to Hawaii, gotta, and, <laughs> and now it's a write off. When yeah. we go, <laughs> and then for eventually, you know, when we retire, we can spend you know more time out there, mm -hmm. um, more extended period of time. I mean, right now, like, it needs to pay for itself. Sure. So, um, I, I always, so I'm always, whenever I'm talking to people about doing the numbers on Airbnbs, I mean, it's even harder now, especially yeah. in like vacation areas. It always mm -hmm. seems to me it's like cash flow, eh, are you breaking even and are you able to visit? What is, you know, to me that's value, but what has your experience been? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the short term rental was a huge boom in the last few years and right. now there's, been a big decline, especially in some markets. Um, the Kauai prop, the Kauai area and Point where and Poipu specifically mm -hmm. is is um, it doesn't have a lot of seasonality, okay. so it's popular year round. All it year has, round, it has some shoulder seasons that where um, price like nightly rates will dip a little bit, mm -hmm. but otherwise there's it's a very um, well established vacation rental market. There's only three areas on Kauai where you can have short term rentals, mm. and, and how it's much one of them. competition is there? There's a lot. There's a lot of condos in yeah. the area, but there's not a lot of hotels. Okay. And then a lot of the condos they're not up for rent all the time because their owners use them right, right. a fair bit. Okay. And so it's um, it's a pretty easy place to have your have a short term rental that is booked a fair bit of the so time. So you're booked, what, what's your percentage? 85%. Of oh, 85. wow, so solid, yeah. Yeah, for, it's 80, It's sitting at 85% for the year right now. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Uh, and we went for spring break, we're And going you always block off a couple of weeks yeah. or whatever that are yeah. the prime weeks, yeah. usually. usually. And it's when been, you have yeah. kids in school, that's usually how you have to yeah. do it, so. And it's been fun to actually do the hospitality part and message guests and stuff, and make it like, how are you guys doing? We'll leave like guests, you know, like gifts for people if they're you know they're coming for like a birthday or something oh, nice. most of them have kids and you know we've been taking our kids there since they were little and so it's you know we have great memories of it mm -hmm. and so being able to provide other people like with memory making experiences with their families is is been it's actually it's been pretty fun 
And and from so for overall from a, like a financial cash flow perspective, are you generating a decent amount of income, or is it breaking even, or where are yeah, you at? No, I mean, like I said, we're at a twelve percent cash on cash oh, for 12, the year. Oh, that's right, you said that. Yeah, okay. including <coughs> renovations. We were going to be okay even if we were a little negative because whenever we go, we have to spend money to. Oh, it's stay for there anyways. yeah, yeah, for a hotel or some something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you got an amazing deal. I mean, locking in that low interest rate. Yeah. You know and. But we self-manage. If we yeah. we, if we had property management, right. we would be negative cash flowing. So right, because that's what typically you know, like twenty five percent. Twenty five percent, yeah. And the property like, management uh, companies tend to like charge less too per night. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think a lot of them they just go just put in price labs and so they have to deal with it. Use price labs there. Oh really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Air DNA hopefully set. something. I oh, just think set. So they're like just set rates. I go on there. Uh, yeah. Huh, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've set my own rates on, and I forgot to update my rates from summer uh, in yeah. Portland. And I had somebody booked my entire winter with summer prices. Oh, nice. And that was a, a, a happy mistake for me. So, so just, no, I mean, I think pricing is super important. And it is. obviously, having yeah. somebody who is thinking about, like I said, seasonality, yeah. holidays, yeah. maybe like just even thinking about events. Like, is there. I don't know, an Ironman triathlon or something going on there. There's the Kauai Marathon over Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So, so we haven't yeah. got it booked yet. That sounds yet. like a nice marathon to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the only reason we went for a short-term rental. It's just a little bit too active and, I guess, risky. Um, I think a lot – I think if – it seems like a lot of the most successful real estate investors, they stick with one strategy, at right. least for a good period of time. Um, I tend to have a little bit of a shiny object syndrome. Um, I'm trying to well, I mean, stay you, focused. You've done this all in like a few short years, so I think it's good to kind of explore what you really like, right? And is there anything, I mean, that you love? Like you've done like, you know, uh, small multifamily, large multifamily, you know, short-term rentals. Is there anything that really speaks to you? You know, I think I really like the small multifamily. Uh, mm. I like the... I like the idea, the prospect of you get a lot more cash flow with larger multifamily. Right. Uh, it's just not as personal. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it might be different if we had one here that we could be more hands-on. Sure. Versus it's a property somewhere in a couple states over. Um, I think speaks to me. I like to be able to go and see and look and make sure things are running okay and mm maintenance is actually being done when it's said it's being done. Uh, and to that, and I, we would love to actually pick up more local, like to actually focus a little bit more local. We both love Portland mm -hmm. and um, we would love to try to help bring it back to its glory, if you will, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm always on the, I'm always looking for small multifamilies in the Portland area. Mm. Well, there's a lot of them on sale. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say a lot of people are not very happy with Portland right now. I know, I know. So there's, I'm, you know, Warren Buffett is like, what's his quote? Oh, I forgot. When was... people are greedy, be stingy. When other, when something yeah, like yeah, that. Something like, like when, yeah. when people are running away, run for exactly. I mean, yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like do what the opposite of what the crowd is doing. Yes. Basically. And there's blood so, in the streets, yeah. invest. Yeah, yeah exactly. something like that. So, <laughs> I personally, I believe, I, I believe in Portland. I think it's always been a high appreciating market. People are always going to want to live here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's half the price of Seattle mm -hmm. still, you know, 
one of the the cheapest city by far on the west coast. The cheapest major airport. city on the west yeah. coast. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have a lot of friends from the Bay Area coming here, friends from mm-hmm. LA, friends from Seattle moving here because they're mm-hmm. just getting priced out from, mm-hmm. you know, all those hubs. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we're still growing and we're still growing out too, which is great. Like, yeah. You know, our Happy Valley, Beaverton's got a, a ton of new developments. So, I mean, we, we still got a lot of room to grow. Yeah. And is your, so longer term, do you plan on keeping your full-time surgery career or do you, are you wanting to pull back from that and push more into real estate investing or? Not until I retire. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty fortunate because I have a job that I enjoy go to, going to every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't see myself, I'm 50, so at least another 10 years. Hmm. Um, but having, having I, once I retire from that, I'm gonna need something to do. Right. And this is kind of the only other thing that over my adulthood that I've really found that it, I can be passionate about. And so I see it being my second career after medicine. Yeah, I mean, orthopedic surgery is pretty physical too. Like it's, it is. <laughs> and so, <coughs> you know, that as I get older, those are the things I think about. Yeah. My job is pretty physical. And yeah. if I get injured um, and I can't do my job anymore, like having having now a real estate portfolio that we can grow and expand upon gives me, it makes me more relaxed at work. Mm. Um, right. If, if it's a, hard, about, it's a little hard to explain. Not about having a little injury that right. ruined your career like and I suddenly can, your earning potential just goes way right. down and you're screwed. Like, yeah. I feel like I can even enjoy my mm-hmm. job even more. Totally, yeah. Because I'm just a bit more relaxed about it. Yeah. And I feel like it's made me a little bit, uh, even a better physician in a lot of ways. One, it's definitely given me a lot more business acumen because I've been delving a lot more into business development. And when you're in private practice, that's super important. Yep, yeah. yep. And uh, and then the hospitality part of the short-term rentals made me has made me a lot more thoughtful about the experience that our patients have mm-hmm. as they come through the office. Totally. And how can we improve right. that experience? Because yeah. really, we're in a service industry, too. Yeah, yeah 100%. And uh, There's choices yeah. of who you get your mm-hmm. surgery with, right? You're not, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not, you're not forced into one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just think about this in terms of, you know, my career as a realtor. I mean, they have this thing called commission breath, you know, where <laughs> where people basically, you know, like when you're forced to sell a home to put food on the table, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, if you can have the freedom of mind to just really focus on what you do and enjoy mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. you can give the best experience possible. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's great life experience overall too. like now, you know what small town Texas looks like, right? Mm-hmm. You know what those people are doing there, you know what troubles they're going through with insurance premium, like you just have a better life, overall life experience that you wouldn't have had if you wouldn't have decided to start investing in real estate. So I think it's super, super useful. Yeah, and then also how a lot of the world lives on a day-to-day basis too. 100%, yeah. And apartments and what some of the challenges that they go through and yeah. Yeah, and in that conversation of Slumlord, like, it's one thing to read about it. It's it's a whole nother thing to like see an experience. Holy shit! Like you don't have a stove. Like yeah. how did your previous landlord not yeah. give you a stove? That's crazy. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that comes back to the work thing too. Like a lot of people see, you know, the properties as a means to an end to make money, or even mm-hmm. their job as a means to ends to make money, and so they do the lowest possible work to get mm-hmm. that across to get you know to the 
end goal, which is making money, yeah. which is tough, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I always, I, I try to think about that and not let that creep in into, you know, my personal mm -hmm. management or, you know, mm -hmm. my job as a realtor, because it just, it just degrades everything. Yeah. Really. Well, I, I think also, like, if you really keep up with your, your properties and you continuously improve them, your tenants see that, and you're always responsive to them, ultimately in the long run, it's gonna make you more money Yeah. because you're gonna have less turnover. Turnover really kills profit. And you're gonna ultimately get better tenants in there mm. and um, who are gonna stay with you. So I think being a slumlord can bite you in the butt um, in a lot of ways. And yeah, I, I could go, you know, I we could go into like some of the due diligence of some of these bigger properties, but you know, we actually didn't end up walking every single unit of that building. Mm -hmm. So we that's we should have known that there was a person in there that didn't have a stove. Right. Yeah. Um, there was definitely things that I think we could have picked up on that we could have negotiated further on the price of that second one. Yeah. But sure. yeah, so I feel like I a little chagrin, like how could we have bought a place and not know that somebody didn't have a stove. I mean, that's a lot of you. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can always do more, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, with the people say like you, if you're, you should walk every single unit. It's funny because I, I have a friend who uh, in his property in Texas, I think they found a, a couple meth producing units <laughs> that he, they, they completely missed. Yeah, so he's been struggling with that one for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, definitely do your due diligence. And I mean, at the end of the day too, like, I think it's just the cost of tuition, you know, sometimes that's the thing we have to learn, Yeah. you know, yeah. now we walk every unit, you know, I've made some mistakes, you know, definitely through my properties too, that I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. I will always get a sewer scope yeah. now and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll always get an HVAC person out to evaluate every single unit Yeah. and then tell me how much light they think they have on it and how much it's going to cost to replace them if they go out. Yeah. Sewer so scope and HVAC, <laughs> those, are two, are, those are the two ones that yes. are non-negotiable for you, huh? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Those have been really costly for us there. Now, HVAC, that's something that, I mean, it's a CapEx, they're going to last a long time, but we didn't expect so many to go out all at once. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up having a big sewer uh, pipe have a hole in it and tons of leaks oh, that yeah. caused, I mean, yeah. So it's very expensive. We ended up extremely expensive. extremely expensive. We ended up having two units down for like six months. And yeah, so lessons learned. I mean, yeah. it's, they're not, you know, there's not failures, they're learnings. And the, each unit has their own individual HVAC. You're not using like cadet heaters or anything? Yeah, yeah, simple. HVACs. And they're on the roof, so it has oh. to have a crane to put them on the roof. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds... And I'll try to stay away from flat roofs from now on, too. <laughs> mm. I've heard that as well. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, um, you know, for our audience who want to get started in real estate, what kind of advice would you give them? Maybe especially if it's like someone in the medical field, you know, that that's kind of like thinking, you know, because that's kind of your friends. If, they, if they're watching this, like, what would you suggest to them if they're like, well, yeah, I want to do that, but I'm not sure how? Yeah, as a good, you know, there's a lot of interested interested people actually, and we have just actually started up a Oregon Physician Women's Group uh, real estate investing meetup. Oh, cool, yeah. smart. And because uh, there's just there's a lot of interest, and in, um, I I would say spend at least six months um, learning, and there's just so much out there now with podcasts and books and. Yeah, what are what are some things that like flipped a light bulb or, for you? Um, well, I mean, listening to pretty much all the bigger pockets mm -hmm. podcasts, um, there's a, 
there's the, an asset management book called Best in Class. Best like in Class. Gary, his last name. Um, it's a red book. Um, that's a great book for um, just helping to analyze underwrite deals. It's more geared towards multifamily, but mm-hmm. just the the asset. How do you improve and improve your properties and how you actually manage them? Mm-hmm. Um, to because a lot of people talk about buying the properties but then no one ever really talks too much about actually managing. And right. that's one of the most important th- parts is, is asset managing once you have it. Um, uh, shoot, I, there's so many books that I have read that it's um, a little hard to pull them out. Brandon Turner's, you know, his multifamily, um, uh, multi-millionaire, multifamily books, volume one, volume two, okay. I think are fantastic. Okay. Um, and he also um, had an earlier book on um, property management. Uh, which was um, pretty key. Um, And I think there's so many more courses now out there. Mm. Um, I think it's really key to find a group that you um, resonate with and um, that have people with like mindset and goals and vision uh, who have started before you to learn from. So I think the mentorship is huge. Mm. I was very fortunate to have Ashley mm-hmm. as a friend and mentor to start off with. Uh, and then along the way, I have found um, physician groups who are very active um, in real estate investing to learn from as well as mastermind with. Cool. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I definitely you know, believe in having like that circle of five people to, yeah. to kind of uplift you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for coming on the show. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, and I don't know if you have like a Instagram that people could follow you or reach out I to do. you. I do. I never look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if like you, you you're interested in that. But if, if if you did want someone to reach out to you or have the opportunity to from this podcast, is there some? Uh, people just email me. It's Kimberly, just L Y, not L E Y. Dot L. Um, dot Workman. W-R-K-M-A-N at gmail.com. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Realize Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.